Gun. I'm Paul Ciampanelli. I am Kirk Pinchon. This is the podcast where we pick a music-related topic, then we watch video clips about that topic. And if you go to our website, musicraygun.com, you can watch all the clips we talk about. Right, Kirk? Uh-huh. Today on the show, bass guitar. Bam! That's my bass guitar. That's your bass guitar. Solid. Okay. Yeah. Solid. Uh, this is the second episode ever where we're focusing on a musical instrument. Yes. First time we did it was the saxophone. Way back when. Not for nothing. That's our most popular episode. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Look at that. So uh, hopefully bass guitar will resonate with some people. I hope no so. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that was good, Paul. Yeah. In, in, in a lot of ways, this is sort of a spiritual sequel to our funk episode. Yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah There's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anyone... Anyone out there who's listening to this because you came to this episode specifically looking for bass podcast material (laughs) and you haven't heard the rest of our show, I recommend our funk episode. Yes. Uh, We talk about Larry Graham inventing the slapping and popping technique, which is crucial to the funk sound and crucial to understanding bass guitar. Yep. Uh, we talked about how you and I are both nominally yes, very very hobbyists, hobbyists playing hobbyists. Yes, yes. Yeah. there I'm, I'm a strong hobbyist. I haven't touched an electric bass in years, but I got one when I was 16, and that was the instrument yeah. I chose. I got one in my 30s and stopped and started again, and now I'm back in it in the past year. So I play I play like three or four times a week. Yeah, but it's just like me in front of the TV, just going blink blink blah blah. Right. Yeah. But we both love bass. Yeah. And I think we are both stereotypical bass players, as evidenced by the fact that we have a music podcast. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes. I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying, Paul. Yeah. But to that end, I want to start with a clip that is a comedy sketch. I know exactly what it's going to be. Do you? Because I almost put it on. There are two options for what it could be. I think there are two famous bass player related comedy yes. sketches. Which decade are you thinking of? 80s. Neither of the ones I'm thinking of, because the ones I'm thinking of are from the 70s or the 90s. Who are you thinking of? Oh, then I'm going to play it later. Kids in the Hall. Oh, okay, that's exactly what we're going to watch. That's is that from the 90s? This is this is from the first season. It's 1990. Oh, I'm splitting it. hairs. Okay, I'm a huge Kids in the Hall fan. I, Paul. Yeah. I put this on, and then you took it off. I took it off because I was like, ah, I have other stuff I really want to say. Yeah. But I, this is, I love this. This is great. This, this is, is great. just a sketch. It's called Bass Player. It, it basically just covers the stereotypes yes. of what bass players are. I am so are. not surprised that you chose this, and I'm so happy that we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Uh, so let's just shut up and you can do it. So there's Bruce McCullough from The Kids in the Hall Very playing, playing a bass. Yes. And Kevin McDonald is going to wax poetic yes. for a few minutes about so it's like free-form poem about bass players. And it's great. I just want to say I I had all the box sets of every season and watched all the commentaries because I'm a huge fan. And there was a point in a commentary where Scott Thompson from the group described Kevin McDonald as looking like he was made in a comedy blender. Oh, which, which I always remember because it's so accurate. Oh. Fun fact: I worked with Scott Thompson once. Oh, yes, he's great. He was in a short film that I was in and produced. Oh, fantastic! Yes. I love that guy. He's a very nice guy. Bass player I ever heard. <laughs> He's playing so sweet. 
I'm getting chubby. <laughs> Do you know what I like best about the bass player? His neck. <laughs> <laughs> Just that nod. Kevin is so weird. He's so weird. Uh, you made a little mistake. You may not have noticed it, but if you did, I think you enjoy my tail. The mother, the father, <laughs> the serpent, the priest, the foreman, the woman, the widow, the beast. Do we think... I'm so glad that you already know and like yes. this, because I was a little worried, like... If Kirk doesn't know this and isn't into it, he's just going to think, what the fuck is this? Paul, what are you doing? <laughs> I have a question. Who do you think wrote this? Uh, do you think Bruce wrote it? I think Bruce wrote it or maybe he and Kevin together. But it, yeah. it, it, No, I think it's, it's probably all Bruce. Okay. And then yeah. he's like, hey, Kevin, you want to do this? Yeah. I have a pretty good – I mean, I was obsessed with the kids. Yeah. I have a pretty good sense of – just like you – when you know the Beatles, you know which songs are Paul's mm-hmm. and which songs are John's. You know, I know yeah. which sketches belong to which guy. Yes. And it's it's definitely mostly Bruce, if not pure Bruce. Okay. Hey, bass player! Look at the bass player! Look at that smile! There's sadness in that smile! Look at that chord structure! There's sadness in that chord structure! Look at him flail at the wailing wall! With nothing but stubby fingers and a dumb look on his face! He don't know it! But he's balding. <laughs> Spiritually. <laughs> Do we think he's a good bass player? Yeah, I like he's his bass player. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, you know, uh, casually good. Yes, yeah. better than us. I also just love the Paul McCartney style violin bass. Oh, that's what I, I couldn't figure out yeah. what the bass was. I just think those things look cool. Yeah. But everyone hates the bass player. <laughs> no one invites the bass player to the after the show. Hey, what are you guys doing after the show? Oh, nothing? Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite part. That's so painful. He can girl's best friend. Is Heather coming? <laughs> the bass player is the loser of the band. Yes, he is. If you don't believe me, take a look at the one you're with. That's the, the overall uh, thesis statement. The bass player is the loser of the band. <laughs> So mean. But there's something beautiful about the bass. Sometimes when I listen to it, I, I don't know, I get caught up in the squirrel and I'm flying. I'm flying off of a big, beautiful lake. He's playing the bass and I'm flying. Sometimes when I land, I'm in a different neighborhood. But that's okay. Because whenever I listen to the bass player, I always bring cat there. So odd. So odd. But after all, Aren't we all bass players? Aren't you all bass players? You, they tell me this was a bass players convention. You are all bass. <laughs> <laughs> That's great too. I'm the same as the top of your feet. The mother, the father, the serpent, the priest, the foreman, the woman, the widow, the beast. Aren't you glad that you're not one? <laughs> it's just a Bruce monologue that he wrote for one of the other guys. Yeah. And so he's like, I'll play the bass and you yeah. do the monologue. Yeah. And Kevin's like, I'll make it as weird as possible. <laughs> um, it's so funny because what they're saying is true. Uh, a friend of mine uh, is a bass player, meaning he uh, he gigged around a lot. He actually for a while was uh, uh, a professional playing in band stuff, all jazz stuff. Yeah. And he gave some joke that basically the punchline is, 
the bass player only has sex when uh, the person he's having sex with thinks he's the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the old stereotype yeah. of bass players. But I think if there's truth to it, like I said, only half jokingly, you and I are both bass players. I mean, we're also both editors, which yeah. I think sort of goes along with it is the personality that prefers to be behind the scenes or supportive rather than like the flashy front man. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think that's definitely part of my personality. Definitely. It's, it's, you, part yes. of it's definitely part of mine. Wanting to play the bass, but also I just from a very young age always would notice the bass sound in music. And I just like, I like that big bouncy sound. Yeah. Like that's I, the part I always lock into. That's, that's just what I like. That's what I locked into as a kid, just because that's, you know, that's the one. Yeah. And that's what I, that's all you do when you're dancing. You're listening for the groove. It's and on so, the one, baby. It's on the one, baby. Well, I just have one, to wrap up that clip, I found a quote from Bruce McCullough where he said, of the kids in the hall, we've always felt like a band with no music. Or if we were a band, we always joked that we'd be five bass players. <laughs> that's perfect. Which is, I don't think it's perfect. Here's why. Scott Thompson is not a bass player. Yeah, he'd be the outlier. He, he that dude likes attention. Yeah, I don't think he, he'd be the outlier. Yeah, yeah. But all he the want, others, he, I can see. Yeah, he he would want to be the lead singer. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Too. I don't see him as a bass player, but I get it's a great line. Yes, it as is a, a collective. Line. Right. It makes also, sense. just sort of true of comedians in general. <laughs> yeah, sketch comedians are bass players. I can see that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Even if you're not necessarily a bass player, your personality may mean that you are a bass player. <laughs> which is is basically what that was about but I thought we needed that to intro this episode that's so great because I didn't think I even put hey this could be a good intro yeah yeah Yeah. okay well I'm glad we both sort of landed on that yeah Uh, Kirk yeah set up your first clip it's with Earth, Wind and Fire because my uh, one of my favorite bases of all time Verdeen White Mm -hmm. who is amazing and still plays like a madman to this day this is a very short clip of uh, him playing, having a quick bass solo. And then Earth, Wind, and Fire. At a show, at a live clip. Yes. Yeah. It's a live clip uh, at the, uh, it's called the, I think it's called the California Jam circa 1974. Cool. So this was, this was their early days. You know, they, they came out in like maybe 70, 71. They didn't have any major, major, this is before they really broke big. Yeah. And I have some info on this concert, which is fascinating. But this is just Verdine White at his Verdine Whitest where he is just going <laughs> off. Yeah. And then the whole band just does this really weird, great pantomime that's so 70s and so great. <laughs> Let's watch this. Very young looking for Dean White. Yes. California Jam, Ontario, California, April 6th, 1974. I love a good bass solo, obviously. And it's funny because he starts on the stool, which yeah, he's like sitting down. And then he just starts going off. And he's also wearing like gold lame pants. Yep. Uh, and no shirt. And no shirt. And it looks like it's a billion degrees. It does look like that. Yeah. But then again, all 70s video footage makes things look sweltering for some reason. Yeah. Like, just uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's all just warm tones. Yeah. I mean, his bass playing is just silly. It almost sounds like he's slapping, but he's not. He's not on this. No, he's he's fucking. And it's so fast. And, and every 70s person's just really into it. 
I don't even know what this song is, to be honest with you. I don't know what this is from. I think it's it just... It says California Jam, so I guess it's just... That's not the it, song. It, no, I know, but I guess it's just not it's a song. So well, I have, I have some info on it. Yeah. That'll tie through. Now he's back up, uh, and now he's going off, which is still to this day, he plays that frenetic. Yeah. And now watch what's about to happen. Smoke comes out. Mm-hmm. And now he's just strutting and playing at the same time. They're all dancing in this collective jam. And something happens that's about to be great. <laughs> They're all playing air instruments. They're all start air playing at the same time. And they go right back into it. Hell yeah. Oh. And then they do it again. Yeah. And I'm sure no drugs were involved. <laughs> No, they're just so in command. So in command, but they're so tight too. And there's a guy dressed as Santa. Yeah, or whatever it is. It looks if it's already hot. That can't. Yeah, be I mean that's gotta be rough. Just fur on a hot day. Yeah. 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 Yes. Just that, that little bit was awesome. So here's about the. This is what I found out about the California Jam. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was April 6, 1974. Apparently, it was a very hot day there. Okay. And it was in Ontario, California, which is. Like an at least an, probably about an hour, hour outside of LA. Yeah, not even. There's no real reason. Yeah, to I go. stayed there overnight right before I drove into LA. Oh, when I really? here. Yeah. You're like, I'm doing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah. So here were the other acts that were at the California Jam, along with uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Ooh. Okay. Brace yourself. April 1974. Yes. Okay. The Eagles. Sure. Emerson Lake Palmer. Okay. Deep Purple. All right. So far, this sounds like stuff my parents yeah. would love. Uh, Black Oak, Kansas. Not familiar. Not familiar. Yeah. Seals and Croft. Ooh. Yes. Okay. And Black Sabbath. Nice. <laughs> oh, this is like random. the 70s version of that Kiss 108 concert. Yeah. Just 92. random shit. Yeah. And uh, Black Sabbath and Earth, Wind, and Fire and Seals and Croft on the same afternoon. Yeah. And it was uh, in the credits or in the comments of the, of the YouTube clip. Yeah. I read a couple. And this one guy was like, I was there. Uh, they were amazing. I'm a metalhead and was only there for Sabbath, but Earth, Wind, and Fire was great. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. that's really, really cool. Yeah. For listeners, definitely go to musicregon.com and watch that video to see what they're wearing. <laughs> yep. And then see that uh, pantomime. And yes, the pantomime. Which and just couldn't hear because it was silent. All 70s goodness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly we're uh, talking about funk. Funk-related stuff tonight, but you can't talk about bass guitar without talking about The Who, because I don't know if you know this, Kirk, but John Anderson is the greatest rock bass player of all time. That's not according to me. That's the law. I I honestly never knew that. I know no. The I know the Who. Don't hate The Who. Yeah. Uh, their hits are good. I like their later stuff. I don't like any early stuff. Later stuff I really like. Mm-hmm. In my mind, The Who, that was like the least important guy. None of them are least important. <laughs> you wouldn't say... He is just in the sense that the bass player is the loser of the band, so you're not... <laughs> yes. Gonna, yes. I would say that John Entwistle is to rock bass what Jimi Hendrix is to rock guitar. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I don't know enough about rock guitar, so that's probably... I know, it's not your wheelhouse. Yes. So that's why I'm, I chose this clip. Okay. We are going to watch the, uh, the performance uh, from May 25th, 1978, that they shot at Shepperton Studios in London. It was just a two-song mini-concert 
that they shot specifically to generate footage for the documentary movie, The Kids Are All Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up being the last time the original lineup all played together because Keith Moon died like four months later. Oh, wow. So this is the last time the Who ever played together. They okay. did Baba O'Reilly and um, uh, uh, Can't Get Fooled Again. I, uh, but like both of them. I mean, won't get fooled again. I, I have a couple questions, yeah. but, we, but you can feel free to continue. Mm-hmm. I'll ask them later. Right, ask your okay. Do you feel like you have to call a Baba O'Reilly? That's the name of the song. Isn't it it's called, but isn't it in parentheses, Teenage Wasteland? It's not parentheses. That's just people think it's called that. Oh, it is. the lyrics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So people who are calling it Teenage Wasteland are wrong. Yes. Okay. But it doesn't matter because we're going to watch them do Won't Get Fooled Again. Okay. Now I'm just curious. Now, because they were filming it specifically for the doc, they had a multi-camera setup. So they had one... Uh, they had the ox cam because they called John Edwistle the ox. Oh, okay. So they had a camera just on him. Oh, okay. So you can go on YouTube. You can watch the regular performance of this. Mm-hmm. You can watch the clip that's just the camera just on John Edwistle mm-hmm. performing the whole time. And you can watch the clip we're going to watch, which is the camera just on John Edwistle with the bass isolated. Oh, wow. So we're just going to wow. listen to his bass playing. Wow! Now this is an 11 minute long version of the song. Mm-hmm. We're not going to watch the whole thing because yeah, yeah, we don't have time. So I'm going to start it about two minutes in. Okay. So we're going to skip the long intro on which he's not playing at all. Yeah. And then we're just going to get a sense of what he does. Okay. Which is just mind blowing. Um, but the best part about it is he was famous for the way, like, look at who you've got in that band. You've got yeah. Roger Daltrey, mm-hmm. pint-sized Roger Daltrey running all over the stage. Yeah. Uh, Keith Moon just going ham on the drums yeah. and Pete Townsend with his windmills and his slides and the most and John Entwistle would just stand yes, and stop still. So it's just he got over he's got overlooked by all the madness surrounding him. Yeah. But yeah. it's hilarious when you watch how bored he looks yeah. while he's playing the most acrobatic bass yeah. you've ever heard in your life. With this attitude of just like, ho hum, just another day at the office mm-hmm. in my rock band. Like uh so the clip, uh, the 11 minute clip will be on our website. I'm starting it from two minutes in. And this is the Who Won't Get Fooled Again, John Entwistle's Isolated Bass. <laughs> he does like bored. We'll listen to a few minutes in. This is fascinating. Yeah. It starts off normal. Oh, wow. This is fascinating. Yeah. It's hypnotic. Yeah, other than some slight face gesture, uh, facial movement, he's so stoic. Yeah. I mean, he's playing leads. It's funny because, like, I, I know all the hits and stuff, and I know this song. I'm like, I don't ever recall hearing much of the bass maybe because of all that else was going on yeah because there's so much with Keith Moon and so much with Pete Townsend it's fun to watch this clip and then watch it with all the audio and then hear the bass in the whole thing yeah but he had to play this way because he's competing with Keith Moon in the rhythm section who's like Keith Moon is an amazing flashy drum player but he's not really keeping time because he's playing like Pete Townsend said Keith Moon played drums like a keyboard player like oh, and he's yeah. just so flashy that yeah. that John sort of had to keep time and be heard because there's the loudest band of all. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. He he had to be the grounded one. 
But the way he's literally just sighing, like he looks yeah. so bored with this. And it's so like, this is so easy. But also it's like he can't compete with the other guy's energy. So you so, might as well, this yeah. is the way he has to stand yeah. out is by being. It's like, why try? Yeah. Why try to even compete? Just do you. His fingers are just all over Yeah, the I mean, all over. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, um, do you, uh, and I, I'm, I, this is going to sound shitty. I don't mean it to sound shitty. Yeah. Do you feel that who is early frat? Because it's been called that. I think the, the who, no, I think the who are, not unique, but unusual in the way that they appeal equally to, like, meatheads and brainy music nerds alike. Because they really are just yeah. that good. Yeah. Because they play arena rock, but yeah. they're all at the top of their game in terms of technical ability. Yeah. I would say that, too. Like, I I enjoy, because it's me, it's the 70s. I enjoy 72. Yeah. 62, I could just get I love all of it. But, like, yeah. and I even, like... And I love. I, I tell people this, and they're like, "No, so it sucks." I love Eminence Front. <laughs> there, yeah, well, Eminence is. It, it, it makes so much sense to me that you love Eminence. Love Eminence Front. Front. And I, I'm song. fine with Eminence Front. It's, good song. it's so 80s. Yeah, so, yeah. I love how even though the camera's focused on John, every once in a while you see like Roger sort of prance into frame just and then coming in a little out. I mean, he's a god. Oh, jeez. See? Like, my fingers are tired just, like, watching. Because basically you think of, like, just roots and fifths, like, dum, 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 yeah. dum, dum, and you can get away with that. You can do that. He's not playing, like, one pattern over and over again, really. He's just just all over the yeah, place. But, but still. But so tight. Yeah, still keeping in the rhythm and in time. I think he just sighed right there. Oh, he does it, like, every 60 sighed. seconds. He's just like, <sighs> Here we go. Here's more. Oh, yeah, there's Keith going crazy again. And he's also even like plucking. Like, oh, yeah, he did style. a little bit. Because again, he has to be, he has yeah. to be yeah. really trebly so he can cut through the noise of this band. It's the Ox. The Ox. I never knew he was called the Ox. It's a good nickname. I don't know how he... Yeah, I don't know, like, how he just goes, I'm going to stop for a second because my fingers are tired. Yeah. Just, uh, you guys play for a bit. I'm, I'm real beat. And I think he must just turn the low end, like, all the way down and the treble all the way up to get that really, like, punchy yeah. sound. And, it's, and he's doing a lot of plucking. Yeah. Not slapping, but just the plucking. I mean, we don't, we're not going to watch the whole thing, but it, you know, it goes on in this Yeah, time. but it is pretty cool. Yeah. It's and, pretty fascinating. And he, like you said, he's just hypnotic to watch. He's hypnotic. Because he's yeah. not all over the place. You're just like, wow. Because, yeah, it's a classic undersell. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's so in contrast to the rest of the band. In fact, another thing that he did, which is sort of the same thing, is he has naturally very light brown hair, mm-hmm. but because they wanted... Uh, Roger Daltrey's like strawberry blonde mm-hmm. curly hair to stand out more he would dye his hair black the whole time they were together he oh, dyed really? his hair black 
So he would blend uh, into the background even more. What a fucking team player. Which is like a, such a bass player thing yeah. to do. It's like, John, you got to dye your hair black mm-hmm. because your sandy brown yeah. hair is standing out too much. Yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, whatever. Fine. Yeah. It's stupid, but I'll do it. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. So that's John Edwards. Nice. All right. Kirk. Yes. Set up your next clip. Oh, my next clip is Chic. Chic. You guys don't know Chic. They were a seminal disco band in the 70s. One of the most famous bass lines of all time. Which is from uh, uh, Bernard Edwards, mm-hmm. who uh, is who we're going to discuss and listen to a bit. Well, I was talking not about this song, but about the... Good Times. Right, which yes. gave its bass line to... Yes. Uh, Rapper's Delight, Delight, which yeah. is your game. Yes, so, I mean... Not, bass hy- player, not hyperbole. Bernard Edwards bass playing made rap crossover. I mean, a hundred percent. That's the hook. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the that's what everyone remembers of yes. that song. Yes. And if if that bass never happened, rap still would have been big. It, yeah. But it would have been big much later because that was the first rap song ever to cross over to pop charts. Which isn't to take anything away from Good Times itself, which is a very worthy big great hit. song. Yeah, they had a ton of hits. Like you, like they had the uh, Good Times, La Freak. Great song. Yeah. Uh, she rules. Yep. Yeah. Uh, dance, dance, dance. Um, and then this is my favorite one. This is actually their first big hit mm-hmm. called Everybody Dance. Did you start it? Start it up because you're going to hear some nice, tasty bass to begin with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and just for everyone listening, because we watch these clips and listen on a laptop, laptop speakers notoriously don't carry bass super well. So yeah. these bass solos it's coming through, I think, for people. But... I highly recommend people go and check the clips out or just, you know, listen to this song on yeah, Spotify. Yeah, and you'll get some really good tasty bass. Yeah. But that that's cutting through. Yeah. That's so good. And and he's it looks like he's strumming it. Yeah. He's getting so much punch out of the way he's yeah. plucking it. Which is really unusual looking to me. Yeah, it's like weird. Of, yeah, he's like it's like yeah. a guitar strip. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like he's got an imaginary pick, right? And uh, but um, I think he was holding a pick. Was he? But like usually it's a stiffer yeah. sort of. But he was really he's, he's got a lot of wrist action. And now it's now he's back to plucking, right? Um, so this is very early chic before they added a second uh, female. Yeah. But um, the core of chic is. Bernard Edwards on bass, Nile Rodgers on guitar, and Tony Thompson on drums. And uh, look at how young Nile Rodgers. So young. This is a, so the three of them were part of a very early R&B band. I can't remember the name of it, but the story goes how Sheep was formed is they were in this early band, and they're out of New York. And one day, one friend goes, "Hey, let's go see this new act down in the village. Uh, they're, they're really good." And they're like, "Okay," so they all go down there. That that they saw were all dressed up in suits, and it was Roxy Music. Oh. And uh, I guess now shout out to Katie Willow. Yeah, and Nile Rogers and uh, Bernard Edwards went, "Holy fuck, we're doing that. We're going to be the Black Roxy Music." Shut the fuck up! Yeah. I never knew that story. They were like, they were she like, formed to be the Black Roxy. They music? They wanted to be the Black Roxy because they're like, we love how they look. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna call ourselves chic. Yeah. We're gonna dress really slick and really fashionable. Because and they're so they're trying to be Brian Ferry a little bit, a little bit. They wanted that vibe. Yeah, they wanted that really cool fashion vibe, which is why they named themselves Sheep. They that's amazing. Their first band, there's yeah. there's clips of them, and they're just dressed like jeans and like sweaters, like they look yeah. cash. And then soon as they became Sheep, 
they dressed in suits constantly and never varied until till the very end. Huh. I mean, I knew that they had that look. Yeah. I had no idea the story that it was inspired yeah. by Purposely Roxy by Roxy Music. Yeah. And Bernard Edwards went on to produce, uh, Niles Rogers, of course, produced many, but Bernard did as well. And we'll get to actually get into it later about who we produce. Okay. Um, a lot of people. Uh, here's, this is really sad. Um, his, how he died? Oh, I didn't even know that he, he died like, ooh, boy, maybe like 10 years ago, 8 years ago? Yeah. So what happened was, I mean, no, maybe even a little earlier, uh, maybe 15 or so. So, uh, a, a version of Sheik, not the original version, was playing at Budokan in Japan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, before the show, Bernard Evers was like, ah, I don't really feel that well. And I was like, well, don't play. We'll, we'll get a bassist. He's like, no, 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 I'll play. So, and there's footage on YouTube. You can see his last moments. And he died on stage? No, he he died that night. Oh. But on stage, he he would black out standing up. Oh. So they said there were times where he'd stop playing. Yeah. And then come back and play again. Was it just a heart attack? No, he died of pneumonia. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. It's crazy. But the thing is, on How stage... Old was he? Boy, he was must have been late 80? 40s, early 50s. Oh, so this is what? This 90s? is like late 90s, I think early oh, okay. 2000s. Maybe I can't remember when, but he was not old. There's him playing. Yeah, I was going to say, we're talking over another bass, so yeah, I kind of want to back it up yeah. and hear it again. No, 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 finish the story. So he, but what happened was he would black out and then, but still standing, he didn't fully pass out. Yeah. He would play, stand, and then play again. And everyone in the band was like, oh, he's doing some sort of experimental stuff. They thought, because like, oh, he's just coming in and out. He's trying new things. Okay, that's that's fine. Yeah. And then after the show, he left for his hotel and he died in his hotel. Maybe they shouldn't have thought that when he said before the show yeah. that he was really not feeling well. There's on the, on, the, um, on, the, on the clip of it on YouTube, yeah. you see him stop and then he plays again. And then like, because it's also, it's a very loose concert. So they're talking to the audience and Bernard's like, yeah, I just let you guys know. Not feeling that well, yeah. but we'll get through it. A little energy, like, yeah, yeah. He says like that, and everyone in the band's like, "Yeah, but we'll get through it and stuff." And then he guys, don't take chances with your health. If you yeah. feel bad, let him get a fill-in basis. For yeah, you. it's fine. Let the fill-in play. Take a seat. Yes. Uh, okay, let's watch this bass solo. Yeah, I want you to pay attention to. Do you are you familiar with the model of bass that he's playing? No, I am not. You don't. Okay, he's playing a Music Man Stingray by Early Ball, right? Ernie Ball, right now. Oh, I know Ernie Ball. Right, I get his strings from him. Right, yes. yes. So this bass, let me wait till they pull out a little bit. It it looks a lot like a Fender Precision bass. Mm-hmm. Even the tuning keys have that little that Fender shape to the tuning oh, okay. keys, where it's not. Just straight across, but it's, I don't know what you call the design. Oh, I know what you're saying. The pick guard is very distinctive on a, a Stingray where it's like a, a circular pick guard, like an oval shape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead of on a precision base where it's more angular, yeah. right? Uh, I just want you to take note of that this is a Stingray that he's playing because that's going to come up again. Oh, good. Good yeah. to know. Good to know. Yeah. Um, but she, well, it's Niles Rogers, basically. He, because. Yeah. Tony Thompson also died later, the drummer. Yeah. Um, and uh, he still plays as Sheik. Niles Rogers. Niles, so it's Sheik featuring Niles Rogers. Sure. And he has like the top-notch section players play. Uh, it's amazing. I, I mean, a, he's always been the leader of the band. Yeah. Right? So I think he's well within his rights to... Yeah. Sheik goes as long it's as his, Niles Rogers yes. wants him to. And they were like... Like they were like Niles and, and Bernard were brothers. Uh, yeah. Basically, they were real tight. And then Tony as well. Tony comes in a little bit later in the show. Um, 
But there's a documentary on about Niles Rogers on Netflix that I saw like three weeks ago. And yeah. I've like since then I've been completely like deep into chic. Cause I'm like, oh fuck yeah, they're great. Yeah. Yeah. Just a great, really well done disco band. Yeah. No, Chic is great. Yeah. And now Rogers is He's like Quincy Jones level. Yes. Influential. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Bernard was a little bit too, but just not on that level. But, yeah. But uh, RIP. Yeah. That was a great, great clip. Yeah. All right. This next clip bears some setting up. All right. Uh, Starlick's Master Sessions was a series of VHS tapes in the 80s and 90s that were just like instructional music tapes. Okay. So you'd have like a famous music, musician like teaching you guitar technique. Mm-hmm. And there were like dozens of these. Most of them guitar, some bass ones. Yeah. Uh, when I started playing bass in high school, I had a friend in my class named Vinny Luciola. Great. Who, yeah. Uh, and it was Vincenzo, by the way, not Vincent. Wow. Vincenzo Luciola. And he was another 16-year-old bass player. Yeah. He was way better than me and continued playing through college. And yeah. He probably still plays now. But he let me borrow his copy of the Starlicks instructional tape featuring Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Of course. Who I loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers when I was a teenager because that's when you're supposed to love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't like them now. I don't like their music anymore. I grew out that's of it. So funny. But I still love Flea as a person and as a bass player. He's a great guy. I mentioned he's a great guy. Yeah, you told that story about when you met him. I want to know. Yeah. And I can't explain it. Like, I, I didn't really know the Red Hot Chili Peppers to very early college. And mm-hmm. I immediately was like, oh, yeah, they're good. And then as they got popular, I was like, oh, yeah, I really like them. What is the hate on Red Hot Chili Peppers? It feels like there's a certain – some people are like, yeah, they get – Maybe like Smash Mouth, they're overly hated. But I think they're just – I don't know why. They're a great band. They're, I like their earlier stuff better where it's kind of funkier and weirder. Yeah. But it's really juvenile. And then as they grew older and got more juvenile, it just got more middle of the road and who cares? So like when you heard Blood Sugar Sex Magic, were you like, ugh, or were you like, holy fuck? Well, when Blood Sugar Sex Magic came out, I was under 10. Oh, God. So right. I was really young and, yeah. and, and liked it. I, I mean, I loved them in high school. Yeah. I really loved them. I bought all their albums and, yeah. and was super into them, ma- ma- mainly because of Flea. Yeah. And he was a big reason why I wanted to get into bass because yeah. he is such an amazing bass player. Yeah. But I just, it's like the doors to me. It's like, I like okay. it as a teenager and it just seems, it's just not appealing. Okay. To me. All right. Fair enough. Um, but I love his bass playing. Yeah. Now, here, here's, most of those Starlicks instructional tapes were, you know, the musician sort of talking to the camera, talking mm-hmm. to the audience. The Flea one, and I couldn't find a copyright date on this, but I'm guessing it may even be pre-Blood Sugar. Oh. Post-Mother's Milk. Oh, that's how I first saw it. Or it might be milk. like. Right after Blood Sugar. So this is, I'm guessing, anywhere from 90 to 92. Yeah, that would be when both of those came. Yeah. This t- this whole, it's an hour long. We're only going to watch a few minutes, obviously. Mm-hmm. You can watch the whole hour on YouTube. And I recommend it to anybody because this particular tape took the form of an interview. And the person interviewing Flea is River Phoenix. Why? So What? Because they were buddies, and I guess oh. Flea just wanted to do it that way. So the yeah. whole hour-long thing is River Phoenix asking oh, Flea, wow. like, how do you play the bass? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which also wow. tells you it can't be from after 1993, because that's yes, when River Phoenix died. died. Yeah. So wow. this is just a great clip. This is just a three-and-a-half-minute clip from this hour-long tape mm-hmm. where Flea – he's so lovable. I just Such love a, the guy. Yeah, he's really cool. And he talks about – how he grew up being influenced by punk and funk 
and how his bass playing, which he does slapping and popping style, but a really aggressive form yes. of it that's basically like punk slapping and popping. So it is that that mix of funk and yeah. punk that sort of defined, especially early Chili's pep- Chili yeah. Peppers. And and watching him play it, you know, just without any other accompaniment. Yeah. And explaining it to River Phoenix for that's some reason. So cool. This is, is, a, is I cannot wait for it's this wild. just to see River Phoenix. Yeah. So then anyway, so that punk rock thing. And then getting in getting into a uh, then I, I got into funk. I mean I was always into funk. But you know By the way, take a look at his bass. Round pit guard. Candy bar, oh, yeah. candy bar style pickups. That's the Stingray. Oh, okay. Oh, here's another Music Man Stingray. Isn't that a coincidence? So maybe Stingray's a good guitar. No, the point I'm trying to make is a lot of funk slapping and slappers and poppers, funk bassists like this bass. Oh, okay. And there's a particular reason why, which we'll talk about okay. later when it comes up again. Maybe I have the wrong bass. But uh, your guy from Chic plays this bass. Okay, Lee yeah, this plays is great this to bass. know. Yeah. It's a lot like a precision bass. And in fact, when Leo Fender left Fender and joined Ernie Ball, he designed this bass. So, the, oh, okay. so Fender, Fender himself designed this bass. So it's a lot like a precision, but it's got different electronics. And there's a reason why funk players like it. Like I said, we'll get yeah, to that. You really like understand. That. It's great. <laughs> That's why we do the show. That's right, man. Ew, I fucking love it. And meters and Sly and the Family Stone and, you know, just all kinds of, there's so many great funk that I'll always leave out some of the best ones, but. You know, so just that fun groove. George Clinton. Yeah. This is just some regular yeah. playing, but it's... Oh, that's so cool. I wanted a Stingray so bad when I was so uh, sick. You know, they gotta be fun, uh, pretty fucking expensive. Funk. They're not that bad. I mean, really? they're more than like a entry level, but they're not many thousands of dollars. Oh, okay. They're probably like a grand. Okay. We're doing the, the thumb. Yeah. And this deal, slapping, popping and slapping, as it's called. And anyway, so I, where I kind of put my twist on things, you know, not like in a contrived way of thinking about it or anything, was that I was into both of these things so much that I uh, did my own style of the, of the thing, of, you know, just thumping it and attacking it with, uh, you know, very viciously with all of my might. Yeah. You know, and lots of he is, he's, he's such a soft-spoken, sweet guy, but he plays so vicious. Yeah. And he also, I remember he like, when he plays like, I always watch him, he plays this guitar like low, like yeah. almost crouch. Yeah, he really does. Where I was like, low. how uncomfortable, because usually if you're slapping the bass, you're, you're up a little high, so it's easier. Yeah, but he's he's holding it like rock and roll style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, but hitting it with funk. I also love like, for being in the Red Hot Chili Peppers and and being such a kind of a weirdo. Yeah. He's really just sort of, like you said, soft-spoken and even unpretentious. Yeah, very thoughtful. Yeah. Anthony Kiedis is a little bit pretentious. Could be a lot that. pretentious. Yeah. Flea is no. real downer. Yeah, I agree. For such a weirdo. Well, you can bass lines like that, like I'm the one skinny, shorty man, or it's like... I mean, Jesus Christ, it's so fast. Yeah. A black-eyed blonde. I, I don't even know how he... I don't even know it, and I know they didn't. I'm like, oh, wait, did they speed up the, the yeah. video? And I'm like, no, that's it's just... a funk bass at punk speed. Exactly. That's ex- perfectly played. Yeah. Perfectly played. Get up and jump. Yeah. <laughs> River's like, yeah. Yeah, River likes it. I remember hearing a story or reading about, like, when you first started playing, yeah. learning to slap. 
Is that, this the hole in the thumb story? Is that story? true? Okay, so I didn't make that up. No, I remember he told that story on Behind the Music. He said he That's played was. so hard that he wore a, a hole in his yeah. thumb from slapping. And then like a roadie or someone would come and fill the hole with crazy glue between songs. That's fucked up. That's punk. That's punk. Because <laughs> if it were me, I'd be like, show's over. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. I'm going the way. Hey, man, you got to build your calluses. Oh, my God. That's you know, crazy. probably a bunch of other ones, too. Uh, there's probably a bunch of other ones too. Yeah, you're right. Your band has other songs. <laughs> He's like, yeah. So, but that's where that kind of comes from, which is loving funk, but oh, also understanding that punk rock intensity. I think River might be on something. He's a little... Could be. He's, he's, he's like nodding while he's filming. His whole body is nodding in yeah. agreement, not just his head. But I, I meant that's not the kind of nod. No, exactly. No, I know <laughs> what you mean. would be a good uh, rock musician today unless they can relate to punk rock because it was such a... Hell yeah. Did you hear what he said? He said, if you're... And you can't be a good rock musician today if you can't relate to punk rock. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, completely changed the face of rock music. And there's a lot of rock musicians that kind of like ignored this whole era of music and never really got into it. And always, mm-hmm. you know, if they don't understand it, there's always something missing. Well, you can tell them this. Yeah, should I do one of the <laughs> slow? So good contribution, yeah. Winner. yeah. We know who you're talking about. Is someone wanted to figure it out, they could? Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, it's nothing special or anything, but it's a cool length. It's played now he's going to show you how he plays it slow, note by note. Okay. And that apparently will do. Yeah, like I said, I borrowed this video from my friend. And, just and like, I watched it and I was like, I don't understand this any more than when I started, but that was fascinating. It's just as hard. I like how he's like, look, it's nothing special, but it's going to be absolutely special. That's always how talented musicians are. It's like, look, all you do is this. Yeah. The (laughs) most virtuosic thing you've ever heard. Yeah, see, it's easy. It's not hard. (laughs) But when he plays it slow, it does seem simple. And if you do it slow, it's going to be like this. I get what he's doing when he's doing it slow, and I still really, I, I go, oh yeah, I see. Yeah, I can't. I still don't think I can do that. So that's how that goes. Yeah, that's, just how, that goes. that's how that goes. You know, what was normal. that last song that you were playing? Get up and jump. Yeah, get up and jump. Let's oh. see that slow. I guess River Phoenix's favorite Chili Pepper song <laughs> is "Get Up and Jump." Yeah, big fan. Fast first. He's right though. That is the best one that he played. Wow. Like again, I think that's that particular song is extra stupid, but his bass line. I don't even really know. Like, I didn't become fans of them until Mother's Milk. That's from like their first album. That's like '84. Oh, okay. And the slow, it's like this. I mean, that's still hard. Yeah, like I guess. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> slow. I mean, I can see where you're putting your fingers, and I know what your right hand's doing, but I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't copy that. Yeah, but I couldn't like you know. I remember sitting in front of my the TV in my parents' house with my bass in my lap. Like, what is he? What is he doing? And it even it even came with a little booklet with the tabs for everything that he plays. And you couldn't figure out the tabs. And I was like, I mean, I was so yeah, untalented, and (laughs) I'd had the bass for like literally months at that point. Yeah. But if I'd been studying this video and practicing it since then, that's twenty years ago. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be any better no. now. And yeah, no, not at all. So that was just a. That was cool. It is worth even if you don't care about bass guitar at all. It is just so bananas to watch 
River Phoenix interview Flea about the bass. And there's a great segment in it. And maybe we'll do this on a B-side sometime where River starts saying scenarios that he thinks of. And then he's like, okay, play that, that what that sounds like. He's uh, like, you see, you're like walking on Mars and then the aliens come oh and then Flea improvises like the soundtrack to it. And he's like, and one of them I remember specifically, he goes, Clara, Clara is Flea's at the time baby daughter, or like mm-hmm. toddler daughter. He was like, Clara is at the pond playing with the ducks. And like Flea gets this big smile on his face and he starts playing this bouncy little bass line. It's, so, it's so weird. And that fun. needs to be a B-side. Yeah, yeah. That so needs to be a B-side. We will look at another clip yeah. from that video sometime. Wow. Yeah. Okay, but Kirk. Yes. Set up the next clip. We are going to talk about Dion Estes. Who is that, Kirk? Dion Estes is Wham's bassist. Oh, yes. Have you talked about him before? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I think I'm not even sure if I talked about it uh, on air or uh, when we've been recording. I thought Andrew Ridgely was the bass player. <laughs> Andrew Ridgely was the heart and soul of Wham, Okay, sir. but what did he actually do again? He's the one who gave George Michael the confidence to be George <laughs> Michael. I know, I know. I don't really have any I problems with Andrew Ridgely. I just love how heated you get. I get heated. I, have, I, 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 ride with the, I ride with Andrew Ridgely. Um, but Dion Estes was the bass player for uh, Wham, mm-hmm. who then had a brief solo moment uh, in the late 80s with this song called Heaven Help Me that he sang on. So it was a bass player that went solo, which I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, this this song is not particularly bass awesome. You can hear the bass. You probably guys won't hear because of the, the way it sounds. But you'll hear this and you go, wow, this sounds like a Wham song, and that's because George Michael produced it and sings background on it. <laughs> sings, okay. Yes. Sure. So this is like somebody's watching me or something, or it's like, wow, this sounds like a Michael Jackson yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. Because like, oh, this is a Michael Jackson yeah. song. <laughs> You'll hear, when you hear the hook, you go, oh, that's that's just George Michael. Okay. Um, great. I like George Michael. Yeah, Everyone this is a great song. And this, it was, ah, uh, so good. So this was actually uh, a pretty decent hit. Oh. He was a one-hit wonder, basically. But this was a pretty solid hit for him. This also sounds like a real Kirk track. It's a real Kirk track because there's horns. It's smooth. He's yeah. not a bad singer. It's just more like, wow, you're a bassist for Wham. That was is like, he a particularly like virtuosic bass player who you love? He was. Bass player, he was a uh, very. The, what I've read about him is that he was a very good bass player. Yeah. Um, was in demand as a session guy, and what I read on the internet is that very at a very early age he was doing bass, and he was asked. To play bass on Marvin Gaye's comeback album, the one with sexual healing. Sexual healing yeah, yeah. And he couldn't do it because he was he was busy doing other stuff. He's like, I'm already committed. Okay. And so they're like, okay, well, we love you anyway. You'll do Marvin's next one. And Marvin, Marvin, Marvin yeah, didn't uh, have the next one. Wow. But yeah, so Some he was bummer. in the high demand. And then bummer he, for Dion Estes. Real bummer for Marvin Gaye. Yeah. <laughs> right. Real bummer that there wasn't a second album. Yeah. Um. So you'll hear the, the, the hook's going to come up in a second. And you're like, oh, okay. So you hear it in a sec. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard this. So you hear George in the back. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, George. Now, uh, apparently George and DM were like really close. When he oh, joined really? the band, they really, really got along well. And when Wham broke up, Amicably, yeah. Uh, and Dion's like, "I'm going to do, I'm going to do my try to do a solo thing." And George's like, "Well, I'll produce your stuff." 
That's cool. And so, like, he produced this. And it sounds very George Michael, even when he's not singing. This sounds like something George Michael would Because produce. it has a saxophone on it, so that always kind of reminds you of... Uh... It's, it's also that groove, because it's a mid-tempo groove. It's yeah. not a ballad. Um, Did this wind up on any college mix? No, too early. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's true. That was in the 90s. Yeah, this is a little too early. Um, and so I liked this song when it first came in, came out. Yeah. Forgot about it. And then, of course, YouTube comes around, and I was like, what was that song? And I finally was like, I love this song all over. Yeah, the internet is so good for that. It really People is. People used to just have vague memories of a song they heard once yeah. or something they saw on TV once, and they had to spend the rest of their lives just going, what was that thing? Yeah, and I never yeah. You would, without the internet, you'd be like, oh, maybe I've just kind of made that up, and that's yeah. not really a thing. Yeah. And then that's what this is for. Because I would have thought I made this up. No, Dion Estes was a real thing. He was a real thing. And a real top hat. Yeah, he wore that top hat religiously. Because I remember he, I saw him on some talks. Or not a big talk. No, he didn't play our senior yeah. or anything like that. But, um, he wore it while he was with Wham, too. So it wasn't like... No, I think he did, yeah. But he had some good... Like, there's some good bass playing in, in Wham. Uh, Everything She Wants is a really good bass line. Okay. Uh, I don't think I know that song. But... You'll know if you're, you just don't know that because of the title. Um, but he, yeah, so he's got some really good bass playing on it. I'm just fascinated that he was like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. I've never heard of a bass player come out and have a solo that wasn't a prominent, like, you know, Sting, obviously, mm-hmm. or, you know, Paul McCartney, but like this guy was basically a session player yeah. for George Michael. Yeah. And but because he was the so power of Wham. Yeah. Power of George Michael. Yeah. Power of George Michael. Well, now who's discrediting Andrew Richards? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, again, if there's no Andrew Ridgely, there's, there's no, no George Michael. It's so true. But um, where is this guy now? He still plays gigs around. I, and it's so funny because, you know what? I follow him on Twitter. Guess what? He follows me back. Oh, that's why I've heard yeah. of him before. Because you've told back. us before and that. I'm very honored. That the bass player from Wham yes, follows you on Twitter. I love it. He still, like, gigs around. like, And I just looked on Twitter this uh this afternoon, yeah, he uh, is the basis for a uh, R- an old R&B group from the seventies called Switch, okay. which I mentioned before. Switch is um, the uncle of the DeBarge kids. Oh. He had a big seventies R&B group called Switch, which they had a big hit called "You'll Never Find Another Love," mm-hmm. a better love. "You'll Never Find a Better Love," mm-hmm. which sounds just like an, a DeBarge song from the eighties because it's. Uncle sings on it. Yeah. And so they like tour. And so he's the bassist for it. I'm sure he's played with like a bunch of different bands over yeah. the last couple of years. He's one of those guys that like, we need a bass player for this RB group that's yeah. doing a reunion tour. And is like, Dion available? He's not a household name, but everyone in the music industry yeah. knows like Dion Estes. Yeah. You can get him. And they're All like, right, can you play this RB song? Yeah, I got this. This yeah, is fine. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's his life now. That's great. Yeah. My friend Dion. You're free. Yes. Yeah. Your, uh, your Twitter friend. He doesn't know it, but. <laughs> best friends. <laughs> Kirk, what do you know about the Wrecking Crew? Oh, I know about the Wrecking Crew. They're, sure. Yeah. They're session players. Yeah, They were well, session players. players. They were basically Phil Spector's house yes. band in the 60s. Yes. And over the years, there were like a couple dozen maybe, like revolving. It wasn't like one solid band. Mm-hmm. They were like the Funk Brothers. Yes. At that's Motown how I or whatever. They were, you know, yes. uh, a revolving group of yes. studio players. Mm-hmm. Of Everybody who was ever in the Wrecking Crew, there was only one woman who ever played. The bass player 
Carol Kay. No, I'm very excited because I've never heard. Is there not, anybody? Not Carol King. No, I thought that's what it said for not a second. Not Carol Kane. She played Simka. Who's delightful? Totally different. That's yep. not. Yeah, it's way far off. Did anyone other than her come up big from the Wrecking Crew? Like, have their own thing? Um, yes, but I. I mean, she never came out big and had no. I mean, did thing. anyone in, for, out of the Wrecking Crew? That I don't. Would, I don't know, know the names. Okay. I don't know the names. Um. But she was the, I mean, they had a couple different bass players, but she mm-hmm. was the main one. And the Wrecking Crew, I mean, I'm more telling the audience if they don't know than you, because I know you know, but they played on like basically everything in the mm-hmm. 60s. Yeah. Thousands of songs, hundreds of top 100 hits. Yeah. Maybe even hundreds of top 40 hits. So I wrote down a small sample of some of the songs mm-hmm. Carol Kay played on. Then He Kissed Me by The Crystals, 1964. You've Lost That Love and Feeling by the Righteous Brothers, 1964. These Boots Are Made for Walking by Nancy Sinatra, 65. River Deep Mountain High by Ike and Tina Turner, 66. Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys, oh, wow. 66. Last Train to Clarksville by the Monkees, 1966. The Beat Goes On by Sonny and Cher, 1967. And like, those are hundreds more. Just like standard, just yeah. in the ether forever songs. Because even when there were bands who played their own instruments they didn't necessarily play in studio when they were recording their albums like good vibrations is a beach boy song brian wilson is yeah the, is the bass I'm player i'm shocked to hear boys. that that she was big that she played it yeah you, he would yeah you could there's a documentary about the wrecking crew and he talks about how, how amazing her bass playing is oh, on wow. good vibrations so uh and she'll what we're going to watch here is a little clip from a pretty homemade documentary about her again you can watch the whole hour, hour and a half, mm-hmm. quote unquote documentary, because it's mostly just an interview with her in her living room. Oh, that's oh, okay. shot, like yeah. a fan, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, but this is a four, four and a half minute clip that's built on uh, YouTube as a trailer. Uh, she's in her 80s now. I think she was maybe in her late 70s when this was shot a few years ago. And she's just going to kind of introduce herself and talk about playing the bass. And she rules. She's, cool. she's just like your grandma, but she yeah. she's just like the illest Except bass player you've ever heard. She's a rock bassist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing bass is pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> Not to Paul and myself. Wow. So you may not know her name, but you certainly know her bass lines. Wow. She's wearing like New Balance. Yeah. Literally it's, looks like you go to your grandma's house yeah. and she's just like playing the bass. Yeah. And she's using a pick. Yep. Some photos of her from the 60s. Wow. That's Carol Kay. Studio musicians did not get credits. There's if birds behind her. It's great. Yeah, it's literally just in her apartment. Yeah. One, one look at us. I don't think the record companies could sell the, those records saying that, well, this is the group that sung on them, but they didn't play on them. We had people as old as your parents that played on the records. Did <laughs> you buy that record? I, I don't think so. That's <laughs> right, right. Let's get vibrations. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Over 10,000 tracks. That's a lot of soundtracks. Insane. Sam Cooke, The Mother's of Invention. Janet Dean. 
Oh my god, oh, it's here one. Herb Albert. It's amazing. Now she's playing electric guitar. Hey, I was gonna say. It was kind of fun because I mean a lot especially then a lot of bass players yeah. were just like guitar players are like, we need a bass player, you're gonna play bass. You know, like, okay, fine, I go get mine. I can do it because because it's the bass. I started to play music and it made me feel good. Blue sky, you know, we play chords. Those are birds. They're good. Yeah, birds. It's just great. I was kind of a, a lonely kid, you know, and all I had to do was to play play music, and they threw money at me, so <laughs> I could afford to take care of my mother and myself. <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> She's delightful. Yeah, her bird started cooing, and that's why she said, "What are you guys oh, doing?" Isn't she delightful? Great. She's just like you're cool. You're yeah. hip, granny. Oh my god. Who happened to play on every classic hit record? I mean, she's played on 10,000 tracks. Yeah. That's By insane. Bass, I thought, well, I'm carrying in four or five different I mean, guitars now. But I just play bass, so it's only one instrument to carry in. The first part of the beat goes on was like this. <laughs> this is pretty much bass playing. You can yeah. get away with that. Okay. Yeah. If you just played that, they'd be like, I mean, yeah, that's Michael Anthony. You're just holding down the low end. That's all you mean. Yes. Michael Anthony, the greatest bass player of all time. I mean, they even said, they were like, we got Michael Anthony because he's the best uh, harmonizer in rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. He can just completely I mean, harmonize. He's just playing the root note. Yeah, but he cannot play bass. Yeah. I mean, everything that's going on. And I, I fit the bass line as a framework around the records. Yeah, one chord tune, and you knew that that wasn't going to make it. So about the third line I came up with was, and the beat goes on, and all of a sudden it came together. You know? So I said, uh-huh. And it sounds better. Yeah. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. Classic song. That's yeah. what I noticed, you know, with that beat goes on line, how important the bass line was, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, did a ton of TV shows. Mash, Hawaii Five. Oh my God. Mission Impossible. <gasps> wow. Hogan's Heroes, Wonder Woman, Wonder Jack. Wow. What happened was that the movies were dying by the time that the TV got going, see? But then they started to add the rock and roll and the soul music to movies. I'm the only bass player that, that I could cut those parts and make up parts, too. Oh, that's great. They had oh, a Duel. This, this is great. So Duel, if people don't know, is Steven Spielberg's first movie, which I've never seen, but it's like a truck chase thriller. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it either, but that's basically what it is. Yeah. yeah. Her talking about... Playing the bass for the soundtrack for Duel is hilarious to me. Called Duel. They had me do this. It's just that sound effect they use. Oh my god! Hours, you know. I tell people, don't laugh. I got paid a lot more doing that than. Oh my god! (laughs) She's amazing. People say, well, you're a woman in the studios. Wasn't it hard? And I say, no. I knew that women were out there playing. You know, you, you heard about this woman playing with that man. There were women that did work with the men. You know, so it, 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 I never thought of myself as a woman. I mean, I thought that I had to play the, the guitar, and then I had to play the bass. Now, no, it doesn't have sex to it. You know, Ooh, you need to play it good, good line. you play it good. <laughs> so, some people can't handle that, you know, especially some men, you know, because they, they can't 
they, they want to think that it was a man that played the bass because of the sexual thing. But when you hear somebody with balls, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Hell yeah. Fucking when you hear somebody with balls, that's me. <laughs> a note doesn't have sex to it. Right. Yeah, right. it doesn't. Yeah. That's... Uh, She's great. So that is five minutes. That of, was there's, great. There's an hour of that. On I YouTube. never would have known who that was. I'm so glad yeah. you played that. Carol K. Rules. Yeah, yeah. she's great. Yeah. Uh, okay, Kurt. Yeah. Set up the next clip. Up next, Paul, are you familiar with the power station? This is a Robert Palmer yes. group. But I know it's a super group. It's a super I, group. And I don't know who else is in it. Oh, this is great. So I don't know who the okay. player is. The power station Yes, uh, Robert Palmer was um, the lead singer of the group. Mm-hmm. It is not his group. It is the group that made gave him his uh, resurgence, so he got addicted to love. Oh, so, so this is pre-addicted to this love. This is pre-addicted to love. Oh. This is what gave him his big but comeback. Like post- uh, Sally and the- uh, Sneaking Sally through the yes. alley. And yeah. What was the What was the clip we watched in uh, like our second episode? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. But that was a good clues. Clues. Yes. Yes. Looking for clues. So, so this is his. This is what started his comeback. Yeah. It is a supergroup. The supergroup is Robert Palmer, mm-hmm. uh, Andy, and John Taylor from, from Duran Duran. Duran. Oh, okay. Yep. And so this is. I'm picking this because John Taylor. Yeah. Is the basis for Duran Duran, and he, in my mind, is the reason why Duran Duran is so good. John Taylor? Uh, John Taylor. Yep. And the drummer. Don't have me. Here's Synergy. Yeah. The drummer for the power station is Tony Thompson. From from Chic. Chic. Why? Because Bernard Edwards produced the power station. Oh, this is awesome. And it was his idea. Here's what happened. Yeah. Okay. So Duran Duran, maybe you've heard of them. They're uh, at the pinnacle of, they do uh, Reflex, which is their their biggest song ever. Mm -hmm. They do this big tour and they're like, we need a break. We just need a break. We need to get away from each other. We're not going to break up. But we just need a break. And I guess they're not doing anything. And John Taylor, the bassist, and Andy Taylor, guitarist, are like, oh, we want to do something. We're just kind of doing nothing. And they met up with Bernard Edwards. And Bernard Edwards is like, you guys should do a group. Yeah. I'll get Tony Thompson. He'll play the drums. We'll find a good, we'll find a, a singer. Let's get Robert Palmer. That's such a weird mix of yeah. dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they became the power station. Yeah. They did one album, this huge album um, that had uh, the cover of the T-Rex on Bangagong, which we're going to hear. Which all this sounds awesome. And then when you tell me this is a cover of Bangagong, I'm like, let's see about this. Well, <laughs> it's great too, because I didn't know when I was a kid, I had no idea that it was a cover. Yeah. I thought Bangagong was this the This is the song. version that you originally heard. Yeah, so I know. And so when I first heard, but then I later, years later, T-Rex, I go, oh, this sucks. T-Rex version sucks. Do you still feel that way? Yes. What is the matter with Wait you? Wait to hear T-Rex bang- rules. Nah, nah. Wait to hear Bangagong <laughs> by the power that is the That is such a Kirk don't at me statement. Just, we're going to Not play only right. that the power station version is better, yeah. but that the T-Rex version sucks. Yeah. Just go ahead and play it right now and you'll, you'll, you'll prove me right. You know what? Maybe I'll agree with that. <laughs> Maybe I won't Maybe. think that's sacrilegious. Wait till you hear it. Let's hear it. It's a very 80s uh, video and sound. I'm already like a little. Wait to hear it. Yeah. No, no. It's harder. Did you? Maybe you don't like the original. I don't think it. I'm going to dislike it. Yeah. I just don't think I'm going to like it as much as the original. I mean, I love T Rex. Oh, okay. I love T Rex. I, 
know their song and don't like it and know anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where if you were a kid growing up with this, hearing this version first. Yeah. Sure, maybe you'd like this. Oh, it's great. Um, But uh, but speaking of bassists, I I do, I ride hard for Don Taylor. Yeah. Uh, He's a great bassist. Underrated bassist because he's a pretty boy. Yeah. Um, but if you listen to Rio, I mean, I dig Duran Duran. Yeah, I never it's great. Uh, I never dove deep yeah. into them, but I like Duran Duran. Just hear the bassline for Rio, and you'd be like, "Holy fuck, yeah. it's the real deal." Uh, I think I mentioned this before. The Rio deal. The Rio deal. I didn't say that on purpose, but I'm glad you picked yeah. up on it. He, if, when I was taking bass lessons, even my bass was like, "This fucking bassline." Yeah. It's a really great. I'll bass. have to give it a listen to pay yeah. attention. Uh, underrated bassist uh, again because you know Duran Duran they're like oh they're pretty boys of the 80s yeah they're they were a tight band I have heard on multiple occasions from multiple sources that they are the nicest oh, most cool. generous gentlemen like all of them in oh, the band that's very cool super nice guys that's cool dude. just as a side note I love that Duran Duran very like British gentlemen very oh, polite like yes polite boys I like that yeah, yeah yeah so what happened I think this is like maybe 85 or so um Power Station comes out produced by Bernard Edwards yeah so they had this song they had Some Like It Hot which I think was an original song they did a couple other covers uh but at the same time uh Nick Rhodes and Simon LeBond had their own side for job called Arena mm-hmm. and exact same time yeah. and they had a song called uh, Duran Duran was on it yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly oh here's the bass line oh yeah there you go yeah some funk bass some funk bass on it um they had a song called Election Day at the exact same time which was a, a hit for Arena sounds exactly like a Duran Duran yeah it's this fine. does not sound like Duran Duran no not at all I will say this is this is good yeah it's just it's I mean, Bang a Gong is so 70s. Yes. And this is so, like, an 80s version. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, having, having heard this first, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, and they only recorded this. They recorded this album. Yeah. I think they were going on tour a little bit. And then Robert Palmer's like, I'm out. I'm recording my solo album. They never did another Power Station album. And on tour, the Power Station lead singer became Michael Desbar. You ever heard of him? That rings a bell. I can't remember who he is. He's from the 70s, and they brought him back in here. Um, Even though we're, this is about John Taylor, because he's actually the big reason why Power Station, he was the one who's like, I want to do something else. Yeah. And went to Bernard Edwards, and Bernard was like, oh, yeah, just do this. You guys should just, here, let me get Tony Thompson. Let's see if we can get Robert Palmer. (laughs) The bassist and guitarist from Duran Duran. Yes. The drummer from Chic. Yes. And Robert Palmer, who at this point was on a downslope yes. in his career, came back with the power station. Yeah, yes, that's a it's, it's weird, but it works. Yeah, it worked. And this was this was a huge album. These were. This I mean, I definitely heard of the power station. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm sure I've heard that version of Get It On before, but I mean, it doesn't it doesn't replace the original in my mind. It doesn't replace it because to me, this is the original. <laughs> in the story of your life, yes, it is. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in the world I live in, yeah, I'm not turning my nose up at all. It's not. It's not what. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you know what a top ten classic of oh, yeah, the original is. Yeah, um, it's just when I heard it, I was 
When I heard it for the first time, I was like, you would have oh. been like 13 or 14. Well, I heard the, yeah, I, it was too oh, young. You heard the original. I heard the I original. Mean, it always, that happens a lot when yeah. you hear a cover that's like sort of bigger and glossier yes. that it makes the original sound sort of weak. Yeah. Like the, here's a terrible example. Tiffany's yeah. I Think We're Alone Now. Oh, I love every version of that song. I didn't know the, the version. Ruben News, yeah. The Ruben uh, News. Oh, there's so there's many versions. There's so many of that. versions. That's just that. a great song. I just, anyone could do it. And yeah. It's great. yeah. And I just associate it with Tiffany. Yeah, or um, uh, girls just want to have fun. Oh yeah, that's right. Robert Hazard's yes. song. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or Mickey, which is a cover of a song called by by Tony Basil, is a song called Kitty. Oh, I didn't know that. Which I is, did not know. That. Oh, that's yeah. So we that's should do great. like a covers. We episode. should. Oh, we got another episode. Uh, okay, this next clip is a little weird. Uh, in a past episode, we watched. It was the Detroit episode, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk about the MC5. Mm-hmm. And to do that, I showed a clip from Fender's yes. YouTube page, mm-hmm. which was an interview with Wayne Kramer from the MC5 talking mm-hmm. about his guitar. And I was I didn't want to show what basically amounted to an advertisement for Fender guitars, mm-hmm. but it was a really interesting it interview, was. It was so I, I did it. This is very similar to that. This is from the YouTube page from a, a German... Uh, instrument company called Warwick mm. that, that is particularly noted for its base bases. Yeah. And this one is, uh, they made a Bootsy Collins signature base. Mm-hmm. He's, he's bounced around with so many companies oh making God, his yeah, signature sure. star shape. Anything can be a signature space base. Yeah. Uh, but this one is the most recent one that, that he did with Warwick. So this video is Bootsy narrating, for six minutes while we watch a pornographic <laughs> in its close-ups and loving footage of them hand-making his bass in the factory. Oh, God. And he, him just talking about, like, I just needed work to make my bass, baby. <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> it's Bootsy, baby. So this is a really cool thing to watch mm-hmm. that anyone listening to the podcast is not going to get to experience unless they yeah. go to check out the clip. But even if you're just listening, you get to hear Bootsy Collins talk about his bass. Yeah. So that in itself is is great. So Absolutely. those two elements together are are great. <laughs> and in case anybody doesn't know, Bootsy Collins is the bass player for Parliament Funk. Yes, exactly. And he was also in James Band, James Brown's early band. Yes, yes. And he's the coolest dude ever. Yes. Great bassist. And just an all-around weird guy. Yeah. How recent is this? Uh, the last few years. Okay. Cool. They made, they, they custom made this bass for him, and I think they made only a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. And if you can get one, I assume it costs like at least 10 grand, yeah, probably. Yeah, sure. But then a couple years later, they made, they came out with like a consumer grade star-shaped space mm-hmm. bass, uh, Bootsy Collins signature that only costs like a grand, which oh. for, for a bass is, yeah. is reasonable. Yeah. It's a like mid-range price. Instruments are expensive too. Oh yeah, I mean the one I have, I got for my 30th birthday from a bunch of people. Yeah, it's uh now I don't I because I I play and mess around with it, but I don't know what's a good bass but It's a PV. Yeah, I mean it's like a standard. I think it's a, the the, lo- the entry level Fender mm-hmm. is like six or seven hundred dollars. Yeah, you could get like a 
um, even more entry level from like PV or or uh, probably Ibanez or something like that that maybe costs three or four or five hundred dollars, but you're really not getting anything for cheaper than that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I've had it for years. I'm not getting a new one, so I don't need a new one. It's not going to be a bass player. I just love Bootsy's speaking voice. The name is Bootsy Collins <laughs> <laughs> wanting to share some good news oh, about something. the creation of what I call the funk ship, the final frontier pop. You know, back in 1975, I had an idea about creating this. I mean, it's base. almost his voice is almost like a spoof, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, or like a cartoon character yeah. voice. Or there are times where he starts to drop the voice and just talk like a normal person again and then he'll just like Did chime in with a catchphrase and be yeah. like oh it's on the wall <laughs> he's got to keep it going <laughs> that uh was in the shape of a star i gave it a name and i call it the space base after years of planning and completely abusing it on the road <laughs> i decided to retire your girl but who could possibly get to be the one that reinvent the space base and make it brand new? Like two or three other companies before Warren. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but for, I know for a fact that Washburn made a signature base for him before, uh, before yeah. Warren. But Warren is one of those brands. I remember when I was getting into the base and I would like look at catalogs. Yeah. And, like they have expensive handmade yeah. instruments that, that, you know, are for musicians. Yeah. They're not like factory made. They're a good guy. They're, yeah. I mean, I said, hmm. I would never buy this. Even if I had the money. I don't think I would buy it. It's too much. I read some reviews online of the of the consumer version mm-hmm. and the consensus seemed to be like, this thing looks awesome. Work is a great company. Bootsy Collins rules. What a great product. I would never be caught dead playing that. Yeah. Because yeah. who can pull that off yeah. except for Bootsy Yeah, Collins? You you can't just be like some yeah. some local guy with your garage band or whatever. Yeah. And you bring out this big purple star-shaped bass with a bunch of LED lights yeah. on it. You just look like a douchebag. Yeah. And you're playing like the, the 12-bar yeah. blue is just normally. Maybe you if you're in a funk group with a bunch of You really in. have to have chops. Yeah. Or or it's not your main bass, but like for a particular song for a joke to be flashy. Yes. Like, out. hey, we're going to do a cover of Super Freak. Yeah. Okay, let me bring this yeah. out. Isn't that fun? So I did my homework. But Bootsy. And I found yeah, out about it's, this it's every day. It's Tuesday. I just love watch. I have. I do not work with my hands. Or do I? Woodworking this seems like magic to me. Yeah. So all these loving close-up shots of them building this base from scratch is amazing. It's very uh, woodworking part. Yeah. Mr. H. P. Wilfer. He's talking a little normally. Not just as a business tip. Uh, on a uh, you know a business level, we became friends, and it started to feel like family. I met his family. Oh uh, we hung out, and it was just a hand making the fingerboard. Oh my gosh! I wonder how long this took. So uh, to make. I threw out this idea. I said, uh, "The star inlays all hand inlays." Uh, so I need somebody to. Uh, you know, Intent- I mean, that's too, uh, it's too much. Oh my god, of course, it's, it's German, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's so intricate. Well, sure, I mean, not only that, 
I want to introduce you to the main guy. And the guy who builds up. and designs all of our stuff here at Warwick. And um, wow. and so I said, cool. Let, uh, I, uh, let me meet. I don't listen to a, a I listen to a lot of Parliament. I don't listen to a lot of Bootsy. Oh yeah, uh, his solo stuff. I have like maybe two albums, and I I pick it up because I feel I should. Mm-hmm. It's hard to listen to. Sometimes. It's too out there. Like it's still too yeah. out there for me. I take it's funky, I take, but it's almost too like it's too out there, and it doesn't stay in the pocket enough for me. Yeah, I take my P Funk in small doses. Mm-hmm. Like I'll listen to an album all the way through and be like, okay, I need a break now. I can't mm-hmm. do this all day unless I'm on drugs. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah, it's and, not casual listening. Yeah, I found Bootsy even harder to listen to yeah. than P Funk. And so he took me in his office, and um, then I met this guy named Marcus. You know, he looked, he looked to be one that uh, that really gets into whatever he's into. He's in it. So um, I, he introduced me. He introduced me to Marcus, and again, it looks we, uh, great. Yeah, the, the bare wood of the yeah. body of the guitar. I don't a bass just like that. That would be. I'm sure you probably be impractical, but it, it looks cool. funny how it all kind of just came together real quick. I got my son involved. Uh, his name is Uber. Yeah, if you're really into Hold it. On, I don't I don't want you to miss okay. what he just said. Okay. I got my son involved. Uh, his name is Uwe. <laughs> his name is Uwe. Yeah, I watched this video a couple times before I noticed he said that. And I was like, did he just say his son's name is Uwe? I looked it up. His son's name is Uwe. And you go, yeah. Yeah, it's like O U I W E Y or something. U I. It's O E Collins. I just imagined him in the hospital when his son was born. He's like, I'm going to name this child O E, baby. It's It fits, though. Yeah. O E Collins is a good ring to it. Yeah. You can name your kid. There's dumber names than O E. Yeah, there's worse names. The graphic designer. And so I introduced him to Marcus, and uh, we all start to just kick it back and forth, uh, trying to come up with this star-shaped des- design <laughs> that would blow mine. And uh, you know, because I wanted it to. Yeah, I would uh, love to know how long uh, it takes to make so one guitar. I I have no idea. Uh, does it take one complete day, or does it take months? Yeah, you can tell me either. Yeah. Okay. And is it? And, and they might have gone over this. I'm like, is it one person creating a guitar? I, I think it's probably a team. Of like, yeah. There's one guy who's just an expert at fingerboards. Yeah. Another just guy who's does just that. An, yeah. Yeah. Another guy who's just does the electronics. Yeah. I love this footage of them mixing up the glitter paint that they're going to oh, yeah. spray on it for the finish. That's fun, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Back and forth back. You got to have a glitter finish, baby. <laughs> until uh, HP said, Bootsy, it is time to deliver your baby. All right. I said, oh, but then, to my amazement, I looked up into the air and I saw a Stark. You know the Starks that deliver babies? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really... I really Come on, Bootsy. I mean, I was totally You're... shocked. This brand new space base from Warwick <laughs> dropped right into my hands. You are laying out a little thing. He, he is... Claiming that the day that Warwick called him and said his base was ready, he looked up in the, uh, the sky and saw a stork. You know how you always see storks yeah. flying by? Well, always. Bootsy saw one. Well, I mean, that is how babies are made. Right. <laughs> let's, I mean, let's get it clear. That's how yeah. babies are made. Bootsy was on one that yeah. day. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Come on, dude. They really went 
beyond and over the call of duty. I mean, they really did. I mean, don't you just wish you could have anyone make anything for you without that idea? Yeah. 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 yeah, like we want to honor you. Yeah. What do you? And they're like, what do you want? Well, not for nothing, but Pootsie, I can't imagine how much money he paid them. To oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, we don't live this life. No, we do not. I couldn't believe that's what really draws. But like him, like maybe like. Testing him out and going, nah, it needs this. Oh, and yeah. like, oh, okay, nice. That's the same thing Wayne Kramer said when he was talking about making a sick yeah. thing. It's like, we went through so many iterations because yeah. it has to be perfect. Yeah. So it probably takes a long while to actually make it by hand. Yeah. But I can imagine how long they spent actually designing it before they finally yeah. constructed it. My name is on the line. And what I represent is on the line. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so Warwick intricate. took that approach, and that is actually the same approach I take. And that's probably that's LED. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Cool. It's like yeah. the LED sandwich. Oh, my God. Yeah, you really need to have chops to like, also have lights come up. Like it's a lot. Yeah. But their attitudes and respect that they have for musicians. Well, all the switches on this floor, I mean, they just control the lights. Yeah, on the, that's on the just floor. for lights. Yeah. <laughs> it's not for sound. They're, they're like a, but yeah, like, for me, it was like a... But a, just a regular ham and egg bass player can't carry this on stage. But no. if you are the bass player for P-Funk, you can't just bring a bullshit-ass no. Fender P-Bass no, on can. stage with you. You need this thing. Yeah, you have to have this. Yeah. Mom and pop shop. You know, the ones that um, uh, the corporations kind of took over. Damn corporations. They're putting the strings on. Yeah. And I'm proud to say I restrung my bass a year ago mm -hmm. by myself. Ooh. Uh, I did it. Uh, I bought the strings. I went on YouTube, looked, did it. Yeah. Did it because if you cut the strings wrong, you're fucked because they're, they're certain lengths. Right. I did it perfectly and I still did it wrong. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? And so I went to uh, a guitar shop and I was like, I, I swear I did this right. And he's like, oh, yeah, you just need to put them under, not over. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I was like, oh, <laughs> good God. I never like restrung. I maybe restrung it once in the several years yeah. that I had it and played it. Mostly because I didn't know how to do it, but also it's hard. I love the way that like old dead strings sound. I can see that with you, yeah. Like I like it better when it doesn't have as much brightness to yeah. it and it's a little bumpier. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I had to because one of them broke, so I was like, well, well there you go. I got it was one. hard to break a bass string. Well, they're real old. Right? Yeah. And um, for us, it was not for me jamming out hard. Yeah. We, we need somebody to take everything that we come up with everything that we create it, it has even if someone perfect. gave me this thing for and free I'd be like what am I going to do yeah, with this yeah you'd be like oh god now I gotta, now I gotta play <laughs> this it's way too much yeah. it's way too much woman yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you know I just like, I can't handle yeah. that nope you can't do it oh that's that's so true yeah, if they're like we want to give you this Kirk uh, happy birthday I'd be like Thanks. I mean, it's still technically just a bass. You play it the same way you play any other bass. Yeah. The, the way it looks, the it's intimidating. All the, all the electronics in it. I gotta get a hat to match it. Even the headstock is a star. Oh, yeah, it is. Good the, two, the tuners are all. In, oh, no, it's too much. Yes, <laughs> Bob. Uh, that was very bootsy. Yeah. 
god. But I love that watching them make it. Like I kind of want to find more videos now of people making instruments. You describing it as like music porn is making is yeah. spot on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very like the way people describe like the Food Channel is food porn. It's exactly it's how it's exactly close ups of people hand making yes. food. Yeah, things in slow motion. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's how they made Bootsy's bass, baby. Uh, all right, baby. Uh, Kirk, set up your next clip. My last one. I know you don't know who this is. Oh, this, this is, is Wayman Tisdale, the <laughs> basketball player. Yeah, you don't know that, huh? How do you know Wayman Tisdale's a basketball player? Well, we're best friends. <laughs> he, fo- he follows me on Twitter. <laughs> I want to know how do you know Wayman Tisdale? Because I looked it up. Okay, I did. I, I I googled it out of curiosity. Um, for this episode. Okay. Because I was like, wow, I don't know who any of these people that Kirk sent me. Uh, yes. Wayman- Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin this. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to step on my shit. Yeah. No. Wayman Tisdale uh, is the embodiment of three things I love. Yeah. The sound of the bass, basketball, and smooth jazz. Yeah. He is all of that in one. And when we say basketball player. A real basketball player. He Meaning was a- NBA. Yes. Yeah. He played uh, 12, about 12 years in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a power forward, so he's a big guy. He was a huge college player in Oklahoma. He's in the College Hall of Fame for basketball, not NBA Hall of Fame. But um, 12 years, long time to play in the NBA. He was a journeyman who played like for the Kings, Sacramento Kings, Indiana Pacers. So he wasn't like a superstar, but he had a long career. Long career, yeah. He wasn't a bullshit ass. No. Nobody. And he was a, uh, it's funny too, because he was a big guy. So let's have a basketball podcast, Paul. He was a banger. He literally <laughs> the subject in the world I am least yes. equipped to talk about. He was a big guy in the 80s and 90s when big guys were important who played inside. Shaq was later, yeah. uh, but that's okay. Uh, Charles, let's think of like Charles Barkley time. Oh, the, the round man with Eba? <laughs> yeah, round man He was my favorite player when I was a kid. Yeah, he was great. So Wayman probably deed him up a lot. So he was this big guy who, who got rebounds and played defense and all that. Um, and then, but was a good bassist. He started out in his dad's church as a bass player, was a church going kid, went in the NBA. And when they were at, he would say, you know, when they were on uh, away games on the road, yeah. after games, all the other teams would go out, all the other players would go out and party. He stayed in his hotel and just played his bass. Practiced. Practiced. And then, That's good. You know why? Because if you're going to try to get onto pro sports, you should have something to fall back on. <laughs> yes. Something being, safe. Being a musician. Something safe. Yeah. Something yeah. safe. Something safe. The backup plan. And so he was like, I'm going to be a smooth jazz bassist. Yeah. And he, uh, he, his first album came out when he was at the tail end of his career. And then like, he's like, well, this is what I'm doing. And he pretty much quit after 11 years, 12 years, which is right anyway. That's when you should quit. And then for like the next, he passed away years ago. Uh, maybe like Wayman Tisdale. Yeah. Oh, he's dead. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Another another one. Um, he uh, he he had a smooth jazz career where he played albums and toured for probably twenty years huh. before he passed away. Like on a similar level to his basketball playing. Like yeah. Talented, solid. Yeah. Never became a household name. But yeah. And if you're it. if you're a smooth, it's funny because if you're a smooth jazz fan, you'd be like, oh yeah, he was a basketball player guy. And if you're a basketball player fan, you're like, oh, he played. He's, jazz yeah, he's the guy who played bass. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and so this is one it, of his. It some- made me think because I cheated and looked him up ahead yeah. of time. It made me go like, what other pro athletes were also accomplished musicians? And I'm sure there are some. But I can't think of one. No, there's. 
for a brief moment in the 90s, about three or four uh, NBA players thought they were rappers. Well, I mean, Shaq Fu is... Yeah, well, also Kobe. Biological didn't bother is, is a bop. Honestly, Shaq is the best rapper out of any NBA rapper. Oh, for sure. I mean, the Fushnikins aren't the most ridiculous yeah. thing in the world. Yeah, but like Kobe came out with one. Ron Artest, a.k.a. Metal World Peace, came out with yeah. one. Then they're all terrible. Yeah. But yeah, Wayman, uh, Wayman is the real deal. You'll see me like, holy shit, yeah, check he's the real deal. And uh, I hear this song all the time. It's on you my. You do? So it gets like play on oh, yeah. smooth jazz station? Yep. Let's yeah, do I mean, it's like eight or nine years old. From now? Yeah. So it's he, not, he, when did he die? He passed away like maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Okay, so not long after. Yeah. Was it just. Uh... He had cancer. Oh, shit. And he beat it, and then it came back, and he like ampy- had to amputate his leg. And then he still played, and like one of his last concerts, you can see on YouTube, he has he's sitting there. He's a little older. He's got one leg, and he's still kicking it. Not to be flippant, but hey, you don't need a leg to play no, the bass. No, like a fat, badass. No, and he's playing uh, left-handed. Oh yeah, yeah, which is odd to me. And Paul McCartney plays left-handed. I know, but you don't see that much. I mean, I'm left-handed. I don't play left-handed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are more guitar players who are famous for being left-handed. Yeah. But trying to, I don't know any other bass players. Yeah. But yeah, you, you hear the song all the time on, on Smooth Jazz Radio, and it makes me very happy. He is playing a left-handed bass, though. Yes. He's not pay- I mean, he's not playing a standard one upside down. He's playing a Oh, he's playing, bass. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah con- right. You can see the controls are still on yes, the bottom. Yes, that's right. Is he playing a five-string? I can't tell because it's such a... No, he is. Yeah. It's a five-string. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he played around forever. That's awesome. And it's also to me, you, other than there's a, I almost put him on, there's a very uh, famous jazz, real jazz, and smooth jazz is real jazz. Why am I saying that? Uh, uh, Marcus Miller. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and other than him and, and Wayman Tisla, I don't know of any other like smooth jazz bassist that play that as the focal point. Yeah. There's not a lot. It's all saxophone. Yeah. Um, and he's he's great. He does originals. He does a lot of uh, covers. He covers uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire's uh, "You Can't Hide Love." He and he's, he's got a great, great bass face. He's got a great bass face. Yeah. Playing happy, always playing happy. Yeah. Even in the NBA, he played happy. Um, and of course, because he was a basketball player, his debut album was called "Power Forward," which is the position he played. Sure. He had a song called uh, Watch Me Play, yeah. which was a double entendre. I get playing basketball. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. Um, I would have loved to see him in concert. He looks like the happiest dude in the world right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. fully. Yeah, I think, I think really it was almost like basketball was a thing he really liked and fell into because yeah. he was just a big, strong, athletic guy. And but this was his true. This passion. was his true passion. Yeah. yeah, it was just like you're this tall and this big. You have to play a sport. Yes, we are signing you up this for is, sport. This is what you'll do. Yeah, and luckily he was good at it and like and loved it too. Um, but yeah, I'm just uh, I love the fact that it's a transition from NBA player to smooth jazz artist. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Kirk, we're gonna give you something special. Yeah, here his name is Wayman Tisdale. And he had a bunch, I mean, he must have like eight or nine albums, uh, always in pretty heavy rotation. 
plays happy music. Oh, and his bass face is amazing. Yeah. He looks so... He's having so much fun. Yeah. And his bass is cool looking. Yeah. But, but he's also not dressed like... He's just wearing baggy jeans yeah. and, and, a, tank and a black tank top. Yeah. yeah. So he's not like dressed smooth jazz. No. No, yeah. sometimes he did, but like a lot of times he came out in like really nice looking sweats and a kango. Okay. Just killing it. Splashing. Yeah. At the Java Jazz Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I'm going to check out more Wayman Tisdale. Ah, he's great. Yeah. He, he plays very happy music. From his album, Way Up. Way Up. He yeah. likes real simple puns. <laughs> yes. that way he has a lot of that. Yeah. 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 Does he have another album called, like, Tis the Season for Jen? <laughs> Shut up! Oh, what a missed opportunity for Mr. Tisdale. Uh, okay, I have one last clip. And this I'm, is sort of a coda. I mentioned the Starlick series of instructional videos. Yeah. We're going to watch another brief clip from one uh, by a, a bass player we've talked about a lot in the past. The only reason we didn't talk about the Brothers Johnson in this episode is because we talked about the yes. funk episode. But I'm glad you put it in because you have to put it Yes. You have to. Yes. Lewis Johnson. Yes. The bass playing brother of the Brothers Johnson. Arguably, other than Larry Graham, who more or less invented slap Mm bass, the greatest slapper and popper ever. Absolutely. We're just going to watch like two or three minutes of him slapping and popping. Just just going on. That's all we need. No talking. None of his instruction. Just him ripping it solo on his bass. And I want you to pay attention to the model of bass that he I mean, yeah. Thunder Thumbs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, it's, 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 it, he plays a Music Man Stingray. He was the guy who played a Music Man Stingray, and because Lewis Johnson played it, that's why other funk musicians oh. were like, I guess I'm going to get that bass. Well, I guess I need that one now. He popularized it for Oh, and that's poppers. cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Shockingly, this his bass that he has right now is the least intimidating looking bass out of that I've almost seen all. Because it night. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have. It just has like a natural finish. Yeah, yeah, but it still has. See the egg shaped, yes. uh, pit guard, uh, and the and the thick. Yeah, uh, I don't know how to describe the pickup, but it's a distinctive pickup that uh, Stingrays have. Yeah, his fretting hand while he's playing makes John Entwistle look like. <laughs> A fucking loser. Yeah, I cannot even understand what he's doing. I, 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 yeah, and it's so fast. More so than John Entwistle. More so than Flea. He is all over that fretboard. Yeah, but in total control of every note. Yeah, he's playing. and and then look at his slap, and he's he's slapping all over too. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's just. So I have nice. never seen anyone play bass more confidently. Yeah. And it's it's also still grooves. It's not yeah, just out there and weird. It, he looks like he's just playing with no control. Yeah. So because you can hear what he's playing, you're like, oh no, he has complete command yes. of that instrument. I am going to make a non-scientific theory, and yeah. I wonder if, and I know it does, but like, I'd be a slightly better uh, bass player if I had bigger hands. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, all night long I've been, like, looking at hands going, their hands are huge. Oh, yeah. And Jimi Hendrix had, like, the biggest hands in the world. Yeah. It totally is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you have small stubby things, then... You have small baby messing around But you can also get, like, there are models of bass that have 
shorter and slimmer necks oh. that make them more playable for people with smaller hands. That's why I'm not in a band. That's why that's I'm not why, in a band. That's why, because the neck is too thick. I'm yeah. not a lady. That's it. Yeah. I'm a great bass player. I'm just playing on bass. <laughs> we just solved it. We just solved it. Yeah. Not only big hands, but like long fingers. Long fingers. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely. Yeah. And he's slapping with that fret hand a bit too. He, yeah. I, it's the most astonishing bass playing I've ever seen. Yeah. He's and so the funny thing is, if you watch the rest of this instructional video, he is so soft spoken and shy. Yeah. That it's almost it's almost uncomfortable to watch. Wow. <laughs> I mean, again, we we said before we had it. They, Valjean should have been a super group. They yeah. should have been huge. They were. Oh, you're great. That's it. They were popular and had hits, but they should have been way way bigger. And I think it's because yeah. both him and I think him and George were. They seemed shy. They yeah, seemed, they were flashy players, yes. but not flashy. Perform performers yeah. or just you know yeah they didn't sell themselves they're not good for Instagram exactly <laughs> a bunch of bullshit yeah but uh, yeah Lewis Johnson yeah amazing I've watched that clip so many times over the past couple weeks I'm like I don't under, I can't wrap my head around what I'm watching when yeah I, when I watch his fingers it's unbelievable yeah but it's un- uh, astounding yeah but that's it for our base episode yeah. But if you want to subscribe to All Music Ray Gun, it's available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you prefer to get your podcast. Uh, you can email your comments and questions to musicraygun at gmail.com. And if you know someone who might like Music Ray Gun, please tell them about it because word of mouth is the best way to share the show. I'm Paul Champanelli. I'm Kirk Pinchon. Until next time, see ya! See ya!